0: And welcome to episode one twenty one of Habs Unfiltered. The gang's all here. I'm your host, Blaine Podvay, and I'm joined now by my co-host Matt Smith, afternoon, and Treg, the Hammer Wilson. How's it going? Well, it's nice to see you back. Uh, you were gone. Uh, You're gone away for a couple of episodes there, and the fans noticed your absence because I think the numbers went up. Probably. <laughs> it was more Matt more of the time so ratings go up
1: well so, it, was, it was nice while it lasted
0: <laughs> yeah um so it's uh, i don't i don't think there's gonna be much talk about this episode we'll just kind of shoot the breeze a little bit uh, nothing yes, happened well. no not a thing there were there were no major changes and no losses no you know things no, are pretty pretty much status feel. quo yeah oh yeah yeah Uh, So if you've been living under a rock for the last week, the Canadians just lost a two game set to the Ottawa senators, albeit two overtime losses. Um, So the Canadians technically are still unbeaten in regulation while on the road. However, that did not save Claude Julien's job. He is now unemployed, but being paid $5 million a year to do so. And Dominique Ducharme, the former assistant, is now the head coach. We will get into that in our final segment of this episode, but what we're going to start with today is the two games set against the Ottawa Senators. Um, We'll start with you, Treg. What did you see in those games that made you cringe more than anything else you've cringed at in the last couple of days? Because that was some bad hockey.
2: Uh, I just don't think the uh, players were – how can I put this? I just don't think they were into the games. I think uh, I think Claude Julian lost the room. Uh, Weber had said, what, a week ago now maybe, three, five days ago, that uh, there's a bad neg- – there's a, a negativity around the room and on the bench, <clears throat> and I think coming from a leader like that that's kind of saying – you know, there's something not right here. Um, I found it very reminiscent, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, of the last few games of Michael Therian's, uh reign of with the Montreal Canadiens here in first place at the time. Uh, but you could tell that Therrien lost the room. And I don't want to say players give up or they throw games. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I don't think the effort didn't seem to be there. Uh, Again, I'm not saying that I I would never say teams do think that on purpose. I just think uh, you get into a routine that you're not happy with and you just, I mean, we've all done it. You just don't put the effort into it that you would normally put into it. If you're enjoying what you were doing. And I, I think the games against Ottawa, I think the only reason we went to overtime is because it was Ottawa. Uh, any other team in Montreal would have been smoked, right out of the right out of the water, wouldn't he be close? Um, so we should take the two points. Say we're lucky, and hopefully things change against. Win- we have four games in the next seven nights against Winnipeg or something like that, and that's going to. I that's pretty much to me gonna be the season right there because we're battling Calgary now for a playoff spot. So uh but yeah, I just cringe at the fact that the players just didn't seem to wanna they didn't put the effort into it. It wasn't the yeah. same as, you know, Montreal plays down to the team. It was more of a there just wasn't an effort at all.
0: Now I, I saw I, I don't I don't think it was an effort issue per se like they were still putting in some effort. It just seemed that they lacked that second effort that they were getting in the first part of the season, where if they were, they were caught like a foot behind a play, they would put their head down and just motor back. But in this case, it didn't seem they had that. And they were a little sloppy, especially in their zone coverages. Um, like, for instance, the first goal that Ottawa scored in that second game, where Kulak disengaged during the three-on-two, and went to go cover the puck carrier with Romanov. His expectation when he was looking up is that Katkanyemi is going to come down and cover that man swo- uh, swooping in. He didn't. So Katkanyemi didn't read that play properly. Kulak didn't notice that KU, uh, that uh, KK was going to be a little off on that because he was a little bit further behind the play than he would have liked to have been to be able to make that coverage a possibility. So that's a misread on KK's part. It's a misread on Kulak's part in two ways, and that led to a goal. So it's those little those little errors where they're just a little bit behind the play where at the beginning of the season, they wouldn't be as far behind and they'd be able to make up that ground with that little second effort, but they just didn't have that the last 8, 9, 10 games. Um, the forecheck, the aggressive, attacking, relentless forecheck, we have not seen that uh, since the first loss to Ottawa. After that loss, it looked as though Julian kind of pulled the reins in a little bit on that uh, that more offensive style. So things started to go downhill from there, really. And <clears throat> that last game against Ottawa, we saw we saw the fruits of that. Is there was there was no inspiration, there was no desire. Uh, now, Matt, what did you see?
1: So I saw the same. a little bit of both of what you guys are saying. Um, I did see a team that didn't seem to have that next level of drive that they had at the start of the year. And as you said, um, when a play was lost, it was lost. There wasn't there wasn't that second effort to get back into it. Uh, defensive play was very 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 sloppy, and um, Carey Price up till that last goal that he allowed. um, He made some very big saves to keep this team in the lead or not in the lead in the game uh, to be able to give them an opportunity to at least pick up a point, which they did. Um, First, first game, Jake Allen just lights it, just breakaways and uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in overtime gave them the opportunity to win and all three goals that went in on him, every one of them, a favorable, a favorable bounce. And uh, I felt really bad for him. And um, every every game that Allen has played this year, he's given the team a chance to win. And um, that's not just you know that's not just because um, he was given um, lesser competition or anything like that. Through seven games this year, he's got a 9.32 save percentage. And we talked about the importance of some of these players coming in, like Josh Anderson providing that goal scoring and physicality or to Foley. Um, but for me, it's been Jake Allen the whole time. I think he's really been the um, most important piece to this team with the new additions um, for the game itself. Um, the Canadians had chances to win both of those games. They hit some posts, they hit, so, you know, they, uh, they didn't get some calls to go their way. But at the end of the day, this isn't the same team as we saw at the start of the season. And if it was, we'd probably be talking about um, two wins, let alone two uh, two overtime loss or an overtime loss and a shootout loss. Um, the one thing that really bothers me is that they still haven't fixed their three-on-three play. They just can't get over that. And they've got a team that is built on the back end to be a big, brutish, hard-hitting defend type um, uh, core. They're not a jump up in the rush, dangle through defenders, lead the offense type core. They've got guys that can, that can score, but they don't have those guys to run the play other than say a guy like Petrie. And we see that usually when three on three starts, he's the first guy on the ice. Then they have to go and kind of dip in and say, okay, well, we'll put in Sharat or we'll put in Romanov, or we'll put in whoever. What I would like to see, and I've brought this up in the past, if they are so, and, and it's hard to say what's going to happen now with the new coaching staff, but what I would like to see is if you're going to use these more defensive players, especially your forwards, guys like know. guys like Armia, Lekanen, etc. If when Lekanen gets back in the lineup, Use these guys as third forwards on the ice, play them back in the defensive zone. Then you've got guys that can drive the play that have the speed, and then you've got say Janow out there, win the face-off. From there, you back off a little bit and let guys with a little bit more offensive flair, like say a Tatar or Druin, whatever, to be up in the play. And for the love of God, give Kokaniemi a chance in overtime and in a shootout. We see all these videos that the Canadians come out with. And it's, um, you know, these, uh, these pretty moves that they're doing. And I'm saying, like, obviously, this isn't always going to happen in a game. However, shootout is nothing more than a skills competition. And if Kokaniemi and Suzuki have the skill to perform these moves, I'm not going to say they're going to do those exact moves in a shootout. But the skill is there. Give them the opportunity to give them the opportunity to shine. They're not going to learn if they if they don't have the opportunity to to be on the ice and to, and to get that opportunity when it matters most.
2: I think the issue with the three on three is Julian just puts the wrong people out. Julian plays not to lose, not he doesn't play to win. He he said so himself. Uh, we're going to get into that later, but uh, for me, three on three, it's it's easy. You go with your fastest and your high skilled players. You've already got the loser point. You know, it, it's you're there to win it. Overtime, you're there to win. You're not there to hope you don't lose by putting Dano, Weber, Sharat, Byron. I mean, Byron's not bad in three on three, but Leckner and guys like that. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about Leckner or denot but they're not, they're not three on three players. They're, they're the guys you put in the last two minutes of a game of a one goal lead or a two goal lead. Yeah. They're not the players you put in. A See, I don't mind.
1: I don't mind taking a guy late like to know, letting them win the defensive faceoff. You bring it back to your defender and then you go up the ice and you make the change as needed, bring on the offense. Sure. But we, but we, but we haven't seen <clears> that. It's, you know, double shifting to no, or bringing Sherrod and him being on the ice way, way, way too long. Right.
2: And if you go back to the defense, the reason the offense was the way it was at the first of the season is the defense were engaging the offense. Kulak yeah. uh, Edmondson was even pinching in. Uh, That's right. Uh, even the defensive guys that we were talking about, they were moving the puck into the zone and rushing the play or, or, or leading the play. Petrie leading the way, of course. Yes. Uh, and then they got away from that. Then yeah. they got to only Petrie was pinching in and everybody else was backing up. Yeah. Then uh, to the point where Romanov starting to look pretty bad because he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. I, so, I think that's the issue with him. So
1: I noticed that in the last game, there was a few times the puck came across to him and whether he was going to accept a pass or he was going to do a one timer, he just kind of let it walk go right by him.
2: He doesn't and, know what to do.
1: And I feel that, um, a lot of the deficiencies we're seeing, especially on the bottom pair, have to do with the change that was more or less forced on Bergevin with, um, with Mete having to come into the lineup after his agents talked. Uh, I've noticed that Kulak has been a shadow of the player that he was, and he's not driving the, up into the play. He's not going to the net. He's not really himself. And Romanov has been the same way since they've been taken out of the lineup because they know, well, if I fuck up, I'm probably going to be the one that's going to be in the press box.
2: I'm, I'm going to actually defend Mete a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying on that, Matt, where, you know, they're taking these guys out for Mete to get playing time. But Mete's going to have to get playing time regardless. He will. Just, he just will. because of the uh, – I think it's more of a – Going back to what Weber said about the negativity in the room, I think players, especially a young guy like Romanov or a guy like Kulak, and you're right, it does have something to do with sitting. They're just afraid to make a mistake. That's true. Because right? they know
1: they know because, what's what's gonna
2: happen. Exactly. And so Mete was gonna get in games. It's not gonna matter. Like yeah. he's played Maybe. what four games now? But for yeah.
1: for me, it was the timing yeah. of it. Yeah. It wasn't the fact that player X played bad and we took him out it was the fact that an agent spoke up and said well my client wants this and then it was they kind of forced their hand
2: mm.
1: so that's all that's all i'll say about that like it's just it wasn't the right timing and uh we'll see under a new coaching staff we'll see that these new uh we'll see these new um processes put into place and maybe these players are going to get back to um yeah Driving we'll, get the offense, more into, right? we'll
0: get into that more later yeah, in the segment. Uh to finish off on the Ottawa series and a little bit of what led to this. Uh I'm going to put it out there. Carey Price, he's been Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. In that last game, there was a uh, he he let in a couple of really just horrible goals. But in that second period when they were down on a 5 on 3 and, and throughout that period, he stood on his head. He was unbelievable. He was making big saves, and then he lets in, for instance, that tying goal uh, by by Kachuk, yep. the four four goal. The backhand when he's kind of on the post, not quite through his legs, that is a horrible goal to give up. Not only is it a bad goal because he was out of place, misread it. Uh, you name name the po- pick your poison on that one, but the timing of that goal. They had just battled back after a horrible first period, clawed their way back into the game, took a lead. Toffoli had just scored, what was it, about three minutes before? To give if Montreal that, the lead? That, yeah.
1: If yeah, that.
0: so giving up such a terrible goal at such a horrible time that you can tell it deflated them a little bit.
1: Yeah, and in so, a game that Jonathan Drouin scored. Right. The only reason he scored, he's got one to pass it to, but... I li- yeah. like, I like the fact that Drew has scored and I hope that's going to be a boost to his confidence.
2: Uh, Drew has been one of the best forwards. In this whole slump.
1: Yeah, he has.
2: On yeah, both has. sides of the ice, yeah. The 200 foot game. He's been just for Drew has been amazing for yeah. Drew. I'm
1: hoping to see a few more shots though. So I can take a couple more drinks. You guys probably saw that tweet. Yeah. And I'm yeah. hoping that I'm, you know what, I'm hoping that is it's just going to lead to good things and having someone like Ducharme that's It's coached him in the past maybe we'll open up a new part of his game. We'll see.
0: Well, more shoot. If you shoot more, it would open up more passing lanes to take yeah. advantage of his playmaking ability. Yeah. And before anyone gets too upset, any of our listeners, please remember that a goal and any assist both equal one point. And if he gets an assist, that means somebody else scored a goal because, which of, is him. <laughs> because of him Because and, and that it, that's the goal of the, you know, for the team is to get that's a right. goal. I, Honestly, I could care less which one of the three on the ice on his line score the goal. It could be any. It could be him. It could be Anderson. It could be Suzuki. But if all three have a hand in creating that goal, all the better.
1: Yeah, somebody did something right.
0: They did something right, or got lucky. Either way, I don't care. The puck went in the other team's net. That. That's right. Um, so I think I think we kind of. Killed that, uh, that Ottawa series.
1: Speaking of Pucks going in nets.
0: <laughs> oh God. You're going to talk about the Yolonen goal in uh, Laval? Is that what um,
1: we can, we can bring that one up. Uh, I kind of felt bad for Demchenko, but you know, good for yeah. Yolonen to score his first goal. just against the wrong team.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he loves that. We're bringing that up. Yeah, of
1: course. He's, we know he's listening.
0: Oh, of course he's hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, he's one of our most avid listeners. <laughs> but uh, in that Ottawa game, something did come up. So I'm going to just play us a little something, something to ease us in. Still searching for
2: an explanation that makes sense. Um, we sit down at the start of every season. We sit down at the start of every season and the NHL prepares a video for us. The referees see the exact same video. We've seen clips. Um, There was a clip last year. A New York Islander player uh, bumped Anderson in Toronto. Um, Anderson had time to reset. The puck went in. Goal counted. This play, I'm knocked on my ass. I have time to reset. Can't tell me the goalie doesn't have time to reset. The other explanation I got, okay, I'm in the blue paint. I'm working my way out of the blue paint. We've seen... In that same video plenty of plenty of examples where the player's working his way out he's pushed into the goalie goal counter we we watch this video the rest watch this video for some reason this one this example is different i don't know why um to me it uh, it's ruining the product i don't know we need
0: consistency and and for us to, to you know the guys battled hard we didn't have the start we wanted the guys battled very hard to come back they deserved a better fate than that. It's very disappointing um, the way that that was decided. So that was uh, Brendan Gallagher talking about the disallowed goal. Um, yeah, it, I swear to God, there they have interns in that office that just sit there and flip a damn coin. Heads, oh home team call. Tails, oh road team call there is no consistency in the goal in goalie interference calls. We saw it in the, a couple of games before where they disallowed a goal by Kotnyemi uh, or you could say Armia, either way. We they scored on Toronto, they called it back. And literally an hour later, the ex, almost the exact same scenario comes into play. In that case with uh, Calgary scoring a goal at, against Edmonton, Kachuk ran into the goalie, but As he was running into the goalie, Nurse started pushing him in. So they called that, um, it wasn't goalie interference because Nurse pushed Kachuk in. Now in this this goal, in this case, the Gallagher goal against Ottawa. Gallagher was coming in from behind the net. Zaitsev pushes Gallagher into Murray. Gallagher gets up, starts getting his way out of the blue paint. He gets knocked down a second time. While Murray is still recovering, Gallagher throws the defender off of him, gets up, tracks the puck going from point to point, tips the puck. Had Gallagher not tipped that puck, Murray was already up, recovered, and in position to stop that shot. Had Gallagher not tipped it, it would have been a save. So I can understand Gallagher's frustration. He was pushed. He worked his way out. He reset himself. The only reason it's a goal is because he tipped it. Murray was set. But it, it didn't count. And I, I know people can argue, well, that's why Julian ended up being fired, but that's not the case. We'll get into that later. But the consistency in that call, the fact that Gallagher was pushed in twice, and then they still call it back, Goes against the call uh, the the call they made on the last goal that they call uh, that they had to review between Calgary and Edmonton. So what is it? What is goalie interference? If anybody knows, dear God, please tell us because the NHL doesn't seem to know. Drag, what did you what did you think of that whole fiasco?
2: Uh. <clears throat> I thought it was a good goal. Like, uh, even if it was goalie interference, it was very minor. I think his skate might have hit him in the pad or something when he was getting pushed through. Uh, I guess the only argument you can make was Gallagher didn't put that much effort to stay out of the blue paint. Um, But I don't think any player would in that situation. Uh, Overdrive, uh, Jamie McLennan on overdrive today. He disagreed. He doesn't think it was a – he – thinks it was a goal himself and he brought up a good point why did murray do a 360 in the crease when he when he when he got up like why he had enough time to do a 360 in the crease and it wasn't the fact that he wasn't set he just didn't know where the puck was so being set and not knowing where the puck is is two different totally different things you can be set and not know where the puck is. Lindgren does it all the time, right? <laughs> uh, but, yeah. um, and like Gallagher said, he had enough time to fall to the ice, try to get back up, and then have some guy do a flying elbow, uh, macho man Randy Savage elbow on his head. Then get up, set a position, see where the puck is, and tip it in. And Murray just kind of, now, I'm going to say something else that's kind of a counterpoint to that, that, PJ Stock said, take whatever you want from what he says, but um, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take those headphones off. You don't want to hear this crap. Uh, anyway, McClendon said there was no way that that he wasn't set. There was no way. It's not his, it's not. If the NHL is going to sit there and say that that goalie has to be in his set position and know exactly where the puck is, then they have to come out and say that, right? The problem with the the NHL, and it's the same thing with headshots, is there's no clear definition of exactly what anything is. And it's all a matter of opinion. And, And he said today, he said, what if this is a game seven of a Stanley Cup final? And now you're making that call a matter of the opinion of whoever's taking it in the war room in Toronto. It's his opinion that that was in inter- a goalie or his opinion that the goalie wasn't set. How long does it take for a goalie? How long does a goalie have to get set? Is there a set time? Like if the goalie set with, does he have to be set within five seconds? Is it 10 seconds? Does he have Is 30 Is that person
0: seconds? making the decision, a former NHL goalie? Is he
2: work? It, it doesn't matter, but.
0: There's a lot of all, things
2: you can ask in that situation. There's, there's yeah. a lot of things you can ask that situation. Yeah. I mean, now, PJ Stock thought it was a no goal, but PJ Stock hates the Canadians, so it doesn't really matter. But And the reason he sure. said it was a, was a no goal, because he said uh, uh, Murray didn't have time. It's his paint. It's his blue paint. And he should have the option. And he kind of makes a good point. It is the goalie's blue paint. But Gallagher made every effort to get out of it. After he got pushed and went down, he did not try to interfere with the goalie or touch the goalie or back into the goalie or bump the goalie. He just tried to get up and find out where the puck was so he can do what he can to tip it in. And uh, so what uh, PJ, he just went on about how, and and uh, Jeff O'Neill uh, disagreed with him. He's on the, it should be a goal side. and uh, And PJ Stock was just saying like, that's a no goal. The goalie couldn't set up, you know, has to go up. And that's when McClendon said, well, how much time does he have? Like, you know, like it all comes down to the point of if Carrie price. Now, if someone bumps into Carrie price, can he just flounder around? And then if they score a goal, then if he scores a goal, can he say, well, I wasn't set. That's not a goal. I wasn't
0: set. I mean, we can point to that, that legendary, Kreider play where Kreider literally literally pulls him out of the net with his arms flailing as another player shoots and scores. I think it was Jesper Foss just walks in, shoots in the open net. That was a goal. That wasn't goalie interference. But the point I'm making is,
2: and and this really isn't about goalie interference. It's about whether or not the goalie was set for the shot, which I guess is part of goalie interference, but the interference had already happened if there was interference it was done and over with by the time the goal the two goals went in because two goals were scored um, yeah but that, this this that's my point like go back to the the poked in goals with the uh, there's a loose puck in the pads of Anderson cotton enemy pushes at the puck his part of his stick happens to get Anderson and he slides in yeah so what's the referee, as soon as that puck is loose in the blue paint, should call the play dead. If that's the case, as soon as the puck is loose in the blue crease, the play is dead.
0: One way to get rid of this crap is do that. Another is to just call penalties anytime a player puts a toe in the blue paint. And then we you, go
2: back to what, the 1999
0: Stanley, 99 Cup 99 final, Stanley Cup final, the toe in the paint goal. Cause well it's not it's, even
2: it's not even that there's a lot
1: of people that are saying like do what they do internationally, and if there's people that are in the blue paint, you blow the play and it's a face off
2: yeah right
1: you but do I, you know what i don't I don't want that though I like seeing the battles in front of the net
2: you know I, I like I like that HL1. kind of stuff right and that, and and i i i I agree, but you can have one game, this goal counts yeah that's right and and then two games later, the same play, the goal doesn't count yeah where yep. what's your you know like, and and I think it was brought up on Twitter. I forget who, but they just said, "All right, so if the puck is loose anywhere near the goalie in the blue paint, blow it down because obviously, if you go to play the puck and you touch the goalie, it's either interference or you're pushing the goalie in the net." Yeah, because Anderson never parts. even had the puck.
0: Anderson no, didn't Ford have farts in his direction. Does he go full Mike Smith and flop down? <laughs> but. So- it, the
2: war room needs to be fixed, and that that's the problem. Either they need concrete to the point rules on every single play, or you stop making those calls to the war room, and
0: yet the referees decide it. That's what I think should happen, personally. A set standard. A set standard needs to be made. A clear, clear-cut language needs to be written down. Yeah. Because it, it's all, right now. It's all interpretation of whoever answers the phone in the war room, or yeah. whatever the is it heads or tails? Who's the home team? Yeah. Okay, uh, home team is Edmonton. Oh, sorry, Edmonton. The goal. The goal stands. <clears throat> yeah.
1: So for me, the you know we had some different um, media come out and say something. You brought up Jeff O'Neill. So Jeff O'Neill said bizarre call in Ottawa or bizarre call in Montreal. How long are you going to give the goalie to reset? And completely agree with that. Uh, David Amber said that said prior to the goal being disallowed that that should count. Murray had time to regroup and then added, "Don't agree with that. Had enough time to reset." Okay. Dave Hodge said, "Should Gallagher have received a penalty? No. Thus, should Gallagher's goal have counted? Yes." And I am the thing that I'm taking out of Gallagher's quote is this. He says, I get knocked on my ass. I have time to reset. You can't tell me the goalie doesn't have time to reset. And that's that's just playing over in my head, and it, it pisses you off. And would that have changed anything that happened today? I don't think so. But it would have given the team just that extra, you know, extra – you know, uh, extra confidence that they, that they, that they very well need. And we know that they need that. It's uh, you know, you battle back, you win a game in the final couple seconds, whether it was uh, Gallagher tipping it by, or even if that wouldn't have went in and, you know, uh, Deneau would have uh, knocked it in the net. You, you saw, you saw Deneau's reaction when he thought he scored, it was like, Oh my God, I finally scored a goal. And just think of what that would have done for his confidence.
2: So so here's my question. If Gallagher's goal didn't go in, but Dano's goal did go in, are we arguing the same thing?
0: More than likely.
1: Probably more than likely.
2: Like you know what I mean? Because you're you're looking at another two seconds.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Two to three seconds after well, I'm gonna say two, it wasn't that long, but and- you and know, the players like,
1: didn't know right away that it went in the net either.
2: Everyone stopped playing. Yeah, Murray looked over at the referee like this. He wasn't even looking at the play. He was looking over at the referee like this when yeah. Dano was putting it in the net. So, if he, proving that he knew where the puck was. Yeah, but, but if he, he,
1: but he did, but he didn't have time to reset. So that's why. No. He, well, he had know. time <laughs> enough to reset
2: to complain to the referee. That's right. Right. So, yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I do think that that would have still have been part of some grand review and call back. More
2: than likely. The worst part about it is no one from the NHL responds. No one comes back and says, "Hey, nope. we messed up on this. We're going to review this play for so in the future we make it better." No one
0: There's no one says anything. There's,
2: no, There's accountability. no accountability. It's like, "Oh, that's we don't call that a headshot." well everyone in the world thinks it's a headshot. Oh well.
0: Yeah, it was less oh. than 50% of the head was yeah. contacted. so, "Eh, not a headshot."
2: Or, yeah. or, oh, he pushed that goal in. Nah, no goal. He pushed that goal in. Yeah, that is a goal. Well, why? Nah, we don't have to. It doesn't matter. Reason yeah, we don't have side. to
0: justify
1: it. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So at what because of that lack of accountability, especially publicly for these off-ice officials, I mean, the on-ice officials, there's still some accountability issues, but at least you know who they are. They're, they're not a faceless, nameless entity. This... Toronto war room. You don't know who it is. It, it could just be a giant group of interns hired off the street in, Ottawa, in uh, Toronto and thrown into uh, thrown in there. Oh, Hey, you guys in uh, leaf square, come on, drop your beers. Let's go do this. Like we Chris don't Lee, know
1: Chris Lee on zoom on his day off or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you in, in, in the national lacrosse league, there is a third referee in the, in the penalty box area. Yeah. He does the review of the goals at the game with the two referees that are there. So maybe the NHL should go to something like that, have a five referee system. And the fifth referee is the review guy. And they, all the referees, including the linesman, I guess, sit and talk about it. Well, then they make the decision that that would be a good idea. Personally to me, I think that would be a great idea. And that way it stays in house. It's an impartial Well, referees are supposed to be impartial, although that's debatable. Uh, it's an impartial group it's done by the guys that are actually there so that and it's done by a guy that's sitting there who actually saw the play live as well so they can look at the review and do it it's not so and
0: and it could bypass this this garbage two review system that they had in montreal where the first review was reviewing whether or not across the line ignoring any interference or no interference and then doing a second review Just to review the goal
1: again. Yeah, and it it just kills it kills the momentum of the game too. We've seen these. We've seen these. um, I think the the one that used to kill me, it's gotten a little bit better now. Was offside.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was like, was it offside? Wasn't offside. Let's talk about it for ten minutes. Let's slow the game down. Let's kill all the momentum that that team just got for scoring or not scoring that goal. And then, oh well, you know, the the play's been under. You know, it's been going back and forth for a while. So let's just rewind the clock like two and a half minutes. That's the shit that I hate.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to review a goal, it should be, we're reviewing this, 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 and this. Not We're going to review this. And then the coach goes, oh, wait a minute. I want you to review this. So why doesn't Julian go, oh, wait a minute. I want you to review this from 10 minutes ago. I think 10 minutes ago, they might have been offside. So that would have stopped the game and changed the whole, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like if you're going to review a goal, review it once. If you pick up anything on that review, that's not right. Come yeah. back and say, find, gonna some,
1: right? find something that's going to yeah. give you a concrete reason why a decision when something's called a goal is going to be overturned.
2: Yeah. Like all right, it, it did cross the line. However, you know what? This guy pushed the goalie in. Causing the puck to cross the Upon line Further review no goal.
0: Goal, yeah. goalie yeah. interference or, yeah.
2: or, good or goal, whatever.
0: one or the yeah. other. It's not like they're trained in this or anything. No. So on the accountability part though, like at, at what point does, does uh, a team owner finally say enough is enough? Cause it's not, it's not just the Canadians. Let's, let's be very clear. It is every single team in the NHL. There's been iffy calls, especially in these goalie interference calls, cause nobody knows what the hell they are anymore
2: it has been going on for liter-
0: years. Yeah, it, it's been more than one it's more than one call. It's dozens and dozens every single year for the last, what, five, ten years? So at what point does an owner say, okay, I've had it. I'm calling the league, and I'm going to say, look, we're giving, especially a team like the Montreal Canadiens, who are one of the top earners in the NHL, or the Leafs, <clears throat> or the Rangers, who are the absolute top earners. These are the top three Financially viable teams who are kind of propping up your, your sunbelt teams like Arizona. When does one of those owners call and say, we're, we're, we're done with this crap. You're stealing games from us. Our fans are the ones that put money in here. Start make start setting the standard and follow that standard. Like in Molson's case, his brewery is also the largest advertiser for the NHL. Not just the Canadians for the league. So, you know, you have to hit them in the pocketbook to make them set I, up the rules. I feel
1: correctly. this is something that's going to have to come up at the GM meeting and in the owners' yeah. meeting and just say, you know, give us some sort of answer just so we can tell our players what the real rule is.
0: Exactly. Right. And then it's going to start,
1: right? It's going to start at the top and then work its way down. That's how it's going to have to work.
0: If it's a goal, it's a goal. If it's not, it's go not. Back. Pick it, follow that. Just go back to the 80s where everything was
2: a goal. <laughs> Screw it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for a league that says we're trying to build across, we're trying to build offense. Let's okay. let's build offense.
2: Yeah, let's just no matter how it goes across the line, it's a goal. Screw it. <laughs> or hey, you go look again. I'll bring up the lacrosse, go lacrosse. Go, no yep. one's allowed in the crease. Period. In a, in a conversation use the international the in like crea no goal. yeah if toes in the crease blow the whistle down as soon as a person's in the crease blow the whistle down and face off
0: yeah, yeah.
2: and it, and I don't like that for hockey anyway but uh, it may come to that
0: it solves a lot of problems it would it would solve several problems um, and I would
2: make the crease smaller if you're gonna to do that
0: but true true. Uh, Speaking of uh, problems, there's a lot of problems when guys try to uh, clean themselves up. Our sponsors at Manscaped have a solution for you. Hey, fellas, we're in the thick of winter and a storms are brewing, it looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taken place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels the lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of the ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology your snags on your snowballs will be reduced the trimmer is also waterproof so you can trim in the shower or jacuzzi if you're some kind of a savage Manscaped's Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with the new and improved lawnmower 3.0, Weed Whacker ear and and nose hair trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag. Have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is? In fact, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Might as well use the best tools to do the job. This bundle also comes with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant that will make your balls smell nice and make you feel like your testes are walking in a winter wonderland. The Crop Reviver is a spring-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will make your balls look up at you and say, Thanks. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website, from disposal mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code unfiltered20. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code unfiltered20. Thanks, Manscaped, for making our winter wieners. Look so good, and from trimming your manly area to trimming the fat away in a coaching staff, the Montreal Canadiens have fired Claude Julien and Kirk Muller, and in their place have hired Dominic Ducharme as the interim head coach, and have called up Alex Burroughs from the Laval Rocket and brought him up as an assistant coach in charge of the power play so guys we'll start with you uh tregg what do you make of this drastic change
2: i think it had to come it's uh uh bergevin had to do it and he had to do it now because if this losing streak kept going Then it's a fifty-six game season. Like you're not going to uh, recover from an eight-game losing streak. We said this before the season started. A five-game losing streak. Habs have won two games in their last ten. So, you know, their first ten they lost one. Uh, Well, one in regulation. Um, So they went from seven one and two to two. What two five and three or yeah two five and three I think there. And that's uh, just not acceptable. And uh, Bergevin hit the nail on the head. He said, I saw some uh, similarities to what was happening with the team from last year with the 2 8 game losing streaks. And he knew he had to make, I think, win or lose the game. They would have, I think that was the last game for Julian, regardless. I think Descharmes is a, a good pick. Uh, this interim tag, I noticed people on social media uh, are... Reading into this, uh, the interim tags there just uh, this is his. It's his job to lose, Uh, so they're going to put. They're not going to hire him and say, "All right, he's here for the next three seasons." They're going to say, "All right, Dom, show us what you got. Uh, You have till the end of the season." I don't see two coaches being fired in the same year. So
0: yeah, the tag um, also keeps them from having to negotiate a new contract, so they don't have to pay him any more than they already are. So he's they just keep him under the current contract.
2: And uh, I I think that it, I think it was needed last year. I think Julian should have been let go last year. I wrote an article about it uh, about the coaches that could replace him. Uh, well, Blaine, you just wrote a recent one there, but the same same thing only updated. Um, and I wrote an article just be just the other day about uh, you know you can't waste your time on this losing streak. You can't let it sit uh and burgeon pulled the trigger. I think this was something he was thinking about for a while. Uh and uh yeah I, I think Julian lost the room. He lost the room and uh once you do that, like we said before, the effort just isn't well the second effort just isn't there or the uh the get up and go isn't there. Um I'm really curious to see how well price plays after this. Just I'm not saying he, but those over, those shootout goals, the last two shoot, that last shootout goal was pretty, you know, he just kind of swung his hand at it. and Oh, well, but anyway, that's.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Weber's co- uh, comment about negativity around the room and John Lou mentioned it today on his, uh, his uh, Habs minute. And he, he mentioned that's, it's kind of, in retrospect, it looks as though Weber was kind of shooting, uh, shooting out to the world. There's an issue here, and people kind of missed out. The negativity around the room might have meant the coaching staff. So you mentioned my article. I wrote an article the day before the firing, uh, noting that, like you mentioned in yours, there's not a lot of time to ride through some kind of a losing streak. You can't have a long stretch of bad play. And that the time was pretty much up uh, for the Canadians to do something. Had they, had they won the game, and Bergevin mentioned it in the press conference in French, that the outcome of the game didn't matter. It's that he saw the same things from those eight-game losing streaks seeping back into their game in the last seven or eight games and i mentioned that in in my article that the the way they were playing was those kinds of games and that a new coach would probably be needed to get a new voice uh a progressive voice someone who uh coaches in the new style and Bergevin mentioned that he mentioned that he wants that younger voice, that newer voice, those new systems, those progressive systems, uh, someone who's proven that they can work with the youth, proven that they can win in the lower levels uh, and, and mentor those young players while still cultivating a winning atmosphere. Uh, I mentioned Dominic Ducharme as my top pick for a couple of reasons. One, he knows the team. He's been there for three seasons. He knows the players. He knows what they're doing. He has an intimate knowledge of how they've been playing, and what he would do. he has a plan in place already on what he would do. Also, he doesn't have to deal with a 14-day quarantine because he's already with the team. And when he was hired three years ago, uh, the the rumors going around were that he was basically the heir apparent. So whenever Julian was finally going to be let go. Ducharme was going to just step up and take the reins. So for all those reasons, this hiring makes sense. And as I mentioned with the interim tag, you're right, Treg, uh, it's his job to lose. Bergevin even said that. He said that from the moment, this is my guy. uh, And it's, he's got the full season. It's up to him if he keeps the job, which is essentially what you just said. So all that being said, I'm expecting to see, out of a team with Ducharme, maybe not in the first game, but over time, a more aggressive team, a return to those first 10 games. Because the uh, the rumor is, Shatad uh, Maccabee brought this up uh, on radio t- this morning after the firings became known. Those That style of play was pushed by Ducharme. And then when they started to have small issues and they lost that game to Ottawa, Julian took over and he tried to tighten up the team defensively. So I'm expecting to see a more aggressive forecheck, a more aggressively offensive team. Uh, And because of the firing, I do think we're going to see a little bit more jump in their legs. So we might see a couple of uh, good, really good, solid games, maybe even a couple of wins before things start to peter out again and things settle down, but it'll take, I think it'll take a couple of weeks before we see what Ducharme's uh, rejigs to the system are going to bring. Uh, Matt, uh, what, what do you think?
1: So, uh, so Bergevin added during his press conference that um, he wanted to give Julian and Muller the chance to correct these deficiencies and practices but um, he noticed during the three games coming out of the break that it just wasn't happening. So it kind of made this decision a little bit easier to make. And he said that the hardest thing to watch was the team regressing from one playing with pace and to its identity to chasing our tail, chasing the puck and not being in sync. Um, you, you, you brought up the fact that um, Ducharme was his choice, quarantine or no quarantine. And uh, I like that because it brings and, – and he, and he also said when asked um, – I think Bob McKenzie asked the question, are you going to be, uh, are you going to be interviewing any other coaches throughout the season? And 100% he said, no. He said, is Ducharme's um, team right now? And we'll see how it goes. We're not going to be uh, talking to any other coaches. So for me, if I'm Ducharme, that's going to bring some, that's going to, It'll put a little bit of pressure on me because it'll say, you know, this is my time to shine. Like, I've worked so hard to get here. It's my time to shine. Let's do this. And at the same time, it's a little bit off of him knowing that he doesn't have anybody knocking at the door trying to take his job. So, um, I expect the same thing. I expect them to return more to that high octane offense. And the fact that, um, he has a relationship with some of the, some of the players that are already in the system. And he had that with them when they were younger. Um, you know, he was the, uh, he was the head coach of um, the Halifax Mooseheads when they went on their tear, when they had Jonathan Drouet and McKinnon, and they won like every game that year, they won like 51 games or whatever the hell it was, won the Memorial cup. Um, he was also with the Montreal uh, juniors with, with uh, Jake Allen and Xavier Ouellette. And he was uh, coached during the, um, during the world juniors with uh, with Victor Mete. So not only has he seen these players in the NHL as an assistant coach, he's seen them at the junior levels. And when he was brought into the Canadian system, he was really sought of, uh, or he was really, um, um sought after let's just say that and a lot of people as as you mentioned thought that he was going to be the apparent heir to the throne when ultimately julian was either let go or retired and um i think he's going to bring he's going to be a a fresh voice um I, i i can see good things um i'm for me i'm looking forward to seeing what um how the how the power play is going to develop how the pk is going to look and how he's going to roll his four lines If he's going to give guys like Kakaniemi a little bit more, um, a little, you know, a little bit longer leash, let's just say that. Maybe give him some more offensive tools to his wings. And um, as as Craig said, how is Carey Price going to respond to this? And how is the team going to look overall? It's, It's something to look forward to. But as you guys both said, expect a game or so for them to get into this um, new system. We might see some gaps in play. We might see some people out of position. It's all things that are going to happen when you're transitioning into new systems under a new coach. So obviously, am I going to want to see them win? Absolutely. Am I going to be down the coach's throat if they don't win tomorrow night against Winnipeg? No. Right. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to take the time to, uh, implement his systems have the players learn those systems and then we'll see how the product changes on the ice
2: it's kind now, of unfortunate oh sorry Blaine. it's kind yeah, of unfortunate was, yeah, that bergevin waited the week long break to fire him after the week I, I know why he said all right i just want to see if they're going to take this week and work everything out in practice if he would have done it before he would have given Desharm that whole week to say here's my system however if he was pushing for the offensive style of the game in the first 10 games, then the players kind of already know what his system's kind of going to be like. So if that's the case, it shouldn't take him too long. I'm not expecting this big 10, 12 game win streak to happen afterwards. As a matter of fact, I'll be happy if they're a little bit 500 over the next four five six games, you know, like a couple, you know, like I'm not, I'm not expecting a miracle. However, as the it progresses i want that 500 to move to a 600 maybe to a 700 and then kind of have an even even out cuz i mean they're not in a horrible spot they're still in fourth 3 point or three or four points ahead of uh, calgary so it's not like they're outside looking in they're inside trying to stay and 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 they're only 3 points out of second place so it's not like they're you know, in a terrible position.
0: Yeah. Now, um, one thing that I think uh, fans need to keep an eye on, and uh, I was talking to Grant McCagg on his pregame show for recruits today, and he brings up a good point. Um, when Ducharme was the head coach in Mon- in uh, Halifax, and you and I, Treg, saw this, he relied heavily on sixteen year old players, uh, Fukali, McKinnon, Drewang, and that team was able to come from behind down 03 and beat Quebec and then they went on a pretty good run in that playoff. The following year they when they a little bit more experience they went on and won the Memorial Cup. What I think fans could expect to see is a coach that relies on his talent, not just veterans. So guys like Suzuki and Kotniemi are going to be given a little bit more leash, I think in the next few games, we're going to see that um, guys like Romanov will, we'll probably see experiments of Romanov moved up onto a top pairing or playing with uh, with Shea Weber. Uh, even if it's four or five, six uh, shifts in a game, change it up, you know, maybe uh, after a penalty kill, it's him and Weber out there so that Romanov can give that mobility that's missing that Sherratt doesn't provide on that left side and moving Sherratt down and letting Kulak play with him a little bit, kind of just shifting things around and, and giving a little bit more leeway to their offense, n- not relying so heavily on deno in every situation when he is just not scoring. Or defending. that's what I think we're going to probably see.
2: I, I think my biggest takeaway from this and the, the issue I had, and I should have brought it up in the Ottawa series was the best defensive line, which is the line could not get out of his own zone. Yeah. It was the worst line in the last three games, defensive wise. And again, I'm hoping to see from Ducharme and I'm expecting from Ducharme is exactly what you said, Blaine. He's going to play the guys who are the skilled players he's not going to care if they're a veteran or not. You're my skilled players. He's got to shorten benches Yeah, like Bergevin went on, or uh, Julian. Oh, I got four lines. I can put them out against anyone. I don't want you putting Evanson's line out when you're down by a goal with two minutes to play. I don't want that line out there. I don't yeah. want Deneau's line out there at this point. I want Suzuki's and I want Cotton Yami's line out there. Why? Because they have the speed and the skill to put the puck in the net. Right.
0: Yeah. Anyone who's watched uh, team Canada when Ducharme was the head coach, he made a lot of in-game adjustments, yeah. did tons of line matching. He switched his lines around. He would change guys on the lines based on the scenario they were going out to play. They're up a goal. Well, he'll put a guy out who can play offensively, but he'll put his defensive specialists on the wing. He'll move a centerman over to kind of help out in case there's a couple, uh, you know, he has to worry about a face off. he, He's a strategist in game. And that's something that Julian didn't really have that type of aptitude. He he was kind of, here's my plan. Oh shit, they figured it out. What do I do? Hey, Dom, help. No, you know what? I don't like your idea. Never mind. <laughs> that was basically what happened. And I mean, Dom is a very mix and
2: match. He he'll see what the other line is. He'll match lines. He'll he'll do yeah. that. Yeah. Um But you're absolutely right. He may not match line for line. He might match players against that. Like, hey, you know what, Anderson? That guy playing against you is you're twice his size. You're going to go out on this line so you can walk all over that guy and probably get a goal. Yeah. Um, You're probably going to see Mete more. If I'm being honest, I think you might even see Mete in the lineup more. Or Flurry. And I don't know why I'm bringing Mete up in a positive way so much, but.
1: we have been away for a while so yeah
2: so um <laughs>
1: you had time to reflect on what great player he is
2: but that i mean i think you're going to see a different team actually I, I don't think you're going to see a different team i think you're going to see a team more like what we saw in the first 10 games is is what you're going to see a little yeah. bit more push a little bit more push a little bit more forechecking a little bit more aggressiveness not cuz i and and we've talked about this before on a show Montreal seems to get into that rhythm under Julian where, okay, let's sit back. Oh, we're up by a goal. Sit back. Oh, we're down by two goals. Sit back so they don't score another goal. You know, everything was always sit back. Let's-
1: well, Berger even brought this up during his press conference as he was asked about um, about the amount of penalties that they've been taking. He said that's something they've definitely got to address. And there's a difference between playing an aggressive style and then taking stupid penalties. Yeah. Yeah, And it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's been a lot of that this year and they've, there's been some calls that shouldn't have been called against them, but um, there's, you know, that's a, that's a league wide thing.
0: Yeah. Far too many that should have been called. That's right. That's right. I like
2: Deschamps' comment on penalties where they said, what are you going to do about the power play? And he said, it's hard to practice the power play when you don't get any. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was a, uh, a shout out there to, to, to the refing. Maybe, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. But the one, uh, the
1: one thing that pissed me off is the first question that was asked. And he said, uh, there was a question that was asked. I don't remember who asked it, but it said, uh, you know, do you think the bar has been set too high by Mark, by Mark Bergevin? He said, if the bar is too high, we're in the wrong sport. And I think that was a, a great answer right off the bat to say, like, first of all, like, give me a, give me a chance. And you know, let's you know, let's let's move on. Let's ask let's let's ask a little bit better question. But a lot of them were about his preparedness. And he, um, you know, even though he is a uh, uh, more of a quiet, reserved guy, at least that's what we've seen, um, he was pretty quick with his answers. And he said, you know, we need more puck support, working together to give the guy with the puck more options. Which we've seen. It's either lately it's been a one and out. Like if the guy. If the guy going up the ice doesn't have anyone to pass it to, it's either a shitty shot on net or he forces the play. He also said another question that he feels prepared. He said at school, when you're prepared, you're not, you're not nervous for the, uh, about the exam. And I thought that was a really good way to answer a question as well. He also, um, you know everyone said congratulations to him which obviously you're going to do I feel great that he's going to get this opportunity however he's taking it with a grain of salt and he said if I had written a script it'd be different I'm losing two colleagues and two great people adding that he grew as a coach from serving with Julian and Mueller for almost three years and I and I and I can see that and it wasn't like a yay me moment there wasn't a big smile on his face and you know I'm the coach of the Canadians now like you know, he, he knows that there's a lot of work to do. He's going to address the team. And, um, he said like he's not going to tell the media what he's going to tell the players. You'll see the product at the end on the ice. And I can say, and I, and I, and that's what we're going to see.
2: I will say this. He did kind of say that, uh, and I don't know if this was a shot at, uh, Julian or just trying to say how their styles differ, but he did say, I like to work with my whole staff on correcting things that, uh, that are wrong like i like to work with everyone like yeah. i like to know a players what works for them what doesn't work for them that way it makes me better you know suited to 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 do with them what i need to do and i, I don't think that was a shot at julian like in a, in, a, in a rude way i think basically what he's saying was julian had a system you're playing in this system we've we've mentioned this many times over the past four years on this show yeah. he has a system you either play the system or you don't He's basically saying, I have a system. However, I can work my system around what makes you a better player. That's right. Because in the end. A, yeah, oh, exactly.
0: Ahead. And that's the difference between old yeah. school versus new school. Yeah.
2: Like, I mean, you got a guy like Druin, who I'm sorry, he's kind of took Julian's system and has been working with it because he's playing a good 200-foot game. Um, but you can take a guy like Drewin and make him more free. Hey, Druin you know, don't be scared to shoot then don't be, you know, and that's a big issue I think too, with guys like Druin and stuff like that. Is are they don't want it. They're looking to pass. Cause they don't want to shoot. They don't want to miss. They don't want to mess up. They don't want to have no belly pad. So, uh, <laughs> um, and I think that's going to change under Dom. I think Dom's going to give the players a little bit more freedom because that's how skilled players work. Matthew's and McDavid score the way they score because the coach says, "Hey, you know what to do. Go out and do it."
0: No, yeah, This system's is... his system is basically when you're inside the blue line, you play defense. Once yeah. you're out of the off of the defensive zone, do whatever. Yeah. That's that's what's going to happen. Make it work.
2: Yeah. And that's what he did in Halifax. I mean, Blaine you yeah. were there. That McKinnon and Druin and uh, uh what's Furk, they did well there because he basically said, you guys have the skill to do this. Just go out and do it.
1: They played yeah. Nick Ehlers played under him too, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So Ehlers, I
0: mean,
2: excelled. Yeah. And, uh, that's just, and, and again, people of Twitterverse and all over the place who wanted Gerard Gallant hired tomorrow, uh, he's going to lose games. He's probably might even lose a couple games in his first few games. Give it time. Players got to adjust. So So for
1: for me on this, just really quick, uh, as I know we're starting to run out of time here. uh, My, my take on that is we're seeing a coaching change with a team that is already at a NHL franchise. We're not looking at a team that, well, you just fired your coach because you're on a long losing streak, we've already given up in your bottom 6 and most of your bottom and most of your top 6 are fringe a you know fringe NHL players and you've already given up. So I'm I'm happy that he's going to be given the tools to succeed right away and I I truly hope that they can go back to that winning formula that they had at the start of the year and not even not even winning games just that level of effort and the, and, and just the consistency in their
0: play. Yeah. I think we're going to see the joy of the game come back a little bit. They seem to be going through the motions. Um, Also when, whenever a GM makes a coaching change like this, it always wakes a team up uh, especially one that's got some decent leadership because they realize, Oh crap, someone lost a job because we just didn't perform. Um, So that makes them redouble their efforts. And I want to be very clear here. Uh, we're not reveling in Claude Julian and Kirk Muller's firing. Both are excellent men. They're good, kind people. Uh, I know Claude myself. He is—he is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He's very generous, and everyone who has ever talked to him or ever met him will agree that he is the—he is one of those nice people that you're just happy to know. So. It's sad that someone that nice lost his job, but no NHL coach is hired thinking they're not going to get fired. The time was going to come. Unfortunately, it came mid season and not, you know, in a retirement or something along there, his contract was up. And so it's sad that we lost those two, but at the same time, there's a a renewed excitement around the team so hopefully that uh, that negative energy that Weber was talking about, that new excitement kind of gets back into the room and we see those, that team from the start of the season. And and,
2: got,
1: go ahead, go ahead,
2: sorry. I was just going to say, in better news about ex-coaches of Montreal, Mario Tremblay said yesterday that if they lost to the Ottawa Senators last night, he'd retire from television. So...
0: Yay! We're, we're all waiting for that to happen. <laughs> Sadly, uh PJ Stock will be hired in his place. Wow, yeah, probably. <laughs> he's already there, isn't he? <laughs> Not full time. Oh, okay. No, I joke. I, I, I've met PJ a few times. He's 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 good. He's 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 a good guy. It's just he's the sometimes he likes the
2: French. He's the Cid Sixero. Uh, yeah, speaking. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll bring up Cid Sixero yeah. really quick, as yeah. I have I have his quote here as well. <laughs> and you know what? This is this is nothing but clickbait, and for. a for a guy that is moving on to going to host breakfast television soon,
0: can't come this is soon a, enough.
1: Right? It's not soon enough, exactly. And he has really opened his mouth a few too too many times for my liking in the last little while. And you know what? This is just you know I don't get paid to do this. I'm a fan. Okay. I got a full time job. I don't work for Sportsnet. I don't work for TSN or anything like that. However, the shit that you're putting out. Like it's goddamn clickbait and you can, you know, you can be better. Don't leave, don't leave behind Sportsnet with bullshit like this following you, yeah, because I'm going to say the quote and it, it, we all know that this is, this is absolute horseshit, what he said. And this is his quote. This is his, well, this is his tweet. He said, Claude Julian who had heart surgery last year and is technically high risk yet still agreed to coach during a global pandemic, just got fired 18 games into the season. We know this has nothing to do with that. And this was clickbait and it worked and it got a lot of people fired up. And the only thing I'm going to say is like, be, you know, be better. We, we know like, and and, and I really wish someone else from the hockey community would step up or someone within the media would step up and say, you know, you can't say this kind of shit. But it's not going to happen because he's part of the Toronto sports fucking league or whatever the hell you want to call it, and he can he can say and do whatever the hell he wants.
0: Yeah. So Steve Sibbons levels of stupid. absolutely
1: that's just that's just trolling at a whole new level. And uh, you know what? Good luck with breakfast television because we won't have to hear that kind of shit from you again.
2: <laughs> stick to <laughs>
1: stick, stick to reporting about the Leafs. It's what you love to you love to do so much. Just talk about the Leafs and, and leave the Canadians. Talk to other people.
2: Uh, Sid Serious is just looking for attention. That's all he ever did on uh, Tim and Sid, and that's all he's going to do on Twitter now. Is Steve Simmons is the same way. They just look for attention. They're they're uh, well Simmons is a has been reporter that's working in the Toronto Sun. That see up until the point that relevant. I brought
1: that that you brought his name up, I went through almost the whole show without swearing at all. <laughs> and then just in that i threw out quite a few i didn't throw out the worst but it's just it's it's so it's just so disheartening
0: it's disappointing like, to see that kind of trash out there because people work so hard to get to the levels that they're working at now yeah people people who deserve to be at those levels right. that aren't quite there yet mm-hmm. and then these guys are handed these positions yeah. and left there because they're in toronto that's right, and you've You're got some, and
1: you've got some fantastic people that have been let go, yeah.
2: exactly, and yeah,
1: and and We're he Ottawa. has
2: a he has a bit of a cult following too. So I mean, Tim and Sid was a successful show, so now Sid can just think he can say because whatever Tim. the hell he wants because it. Well, yeah, Sid was just there for comic relief, I guess you could say. Um, he, I, I stopped watching it because Sid just got on my nerves. But anyway, <laughs> what do you pretty do?
0: much when I we mean, get our
2: when we get our own show we'll uh we'll, we'll we have our own up. show <laughs> i meant on sportsnet montreal i don't know we'll never yeah, get No, no that's never gonna happen, happen. but that's in
0: happen. at least at least here we and, and we 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 have our fun we have we say dumb shit sometimes but we're not out there purposely trolling other fan bases just to get clicks that's very true And I'm not saying we're better than these people because let's be honest, we're not, but
1: it's, you should be held. You should be, you're, if you're in the, if you're in the spotlight, you should be held to a higher
0: standard. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And you put, you put something on, on the internet. It's out there forever. It reflects you. So think ahead a little bit. Don't, you don't need to troll. So uh, I think, I think we'll just end the show here. Uh, I think we've covered enough. We've ranted, we've raved. Like uh, I don't know. Sounded, it sounds good to me. You got something else there, Matt?
1: Yeah, I just want to say thanks to all of our followers for um, for tuning in yet, yet again. Um, the show wouldn't be anything without you guys and uh, your support. Um, wherever you're watching or wherever you're listening, um, just remember we're on we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're now on YouTube, which you sh- you maybe you're watching right now. Um, you know, tell your friends you know, uh, you know, listen in your car on the way to work. Hopefully we're putting out a good product. Uh we'll put a smile on your guys' face and you'll be coming back for more and you'll tell people about this show. Uh we're looking forward to um some future guests that we're gonna have on the show. Uh we're always we're always out there, we're always talking to different people to have them on to switch things up from just seeing our mugs. And uh I so said we appreciate your guys' support. So thank you so much. And, uh, you know, for three military guys to uh, have a show and to be able to uh, have, you know, people on the show like Eric Engels and, uh, and John Lou and uh, any, you know, Craig Button, all those kind of guys. And, and, you know, you see them on TV afterwards and you're like, you know, I was just in his living room or I was this or I was this. It just, as a fan, it makes you, it makes you happy. And I just want to thank everyone again. Um, why are you so- in
0: his, li- why are you in their living rooms? Like, do they know you're there?
1: yes <laughs> oh, okay, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, yes i'll just say All yes right. <laughs> so thank you everyone for your support
0: uh i'd like to just uh, i'd like to reiterate that and uh please remember if you were talking about it so are we <laughs>